There was a pastor who told his congregation, next week we will be discussing John chapter 22. And all I need is that you will make sure to read it in advance. And so the following week came, the pastor then asked, so who among you here have read John chapter 22? Well, guess what? Almost everyone in the congregation raised their hands. And the pastor responded, that's great. And you know what? The book of John is actually only until chapter 21. I'm not so sure what you have actually just read, but our topic for this morning is going to be about honesty. You know, everyone agrees that honesty is the best policy. But strange to say, more often than not, people cannot seem to afford the best. If you would be asked, how many of us have never lied? If you happen to think about raising your hand or probably you're thinking, oh, I think I haven't, well, guess what? I think you just lied right there. Because the hard truth and the reality is that not everyone of us upholds truth to the highest degree as it should be. When you look around us, most people actually no longer think that lying is a big deal when you think about it. Whether it be in politics, whether it be in business, whether it be in competitions, in schools, and sometimes even among Christians. See, it is not hard to see that many have become numbed in our conscience with regards to being truthful. Sadly, even among believers and oftentimes even in the church. I'm sure we all would say and still believe that to be truthful is always the right thing. But why is it that many of us tend to fail in this pursuit? What factors can actually cause us to betray living out being truthful at all times? And what are the inner motives that actually we should be mindful of and guard ourselves from so that we don't fall into this trap? And by the way, how much of a deal is it to God anyway whenever we lie or compromise truth? Now, to give a context to the narrative that we will be looking into for our time together, you see, back in the days of the early church, persecution was a constant struggle that they faced. Yet the amazing thing about the church was that even in the midst of their situation, they never ceased to exist. They were sustained through the many people that contributed to their needs, people who gave out of a willing heart, not out of obligation, but rather voluntarily. They helped each other out by sharing whatever they have. Well, interestingly, in Acts chapter 4, verses 32 to 37, there was this guy named Joses, or better known as Barnabas. He seemed to stand out and was specifically mentioned. And we were told that he was one of those who actually sold his land property, and he donated its properties to the church to meet the needs of the people there. I can just imagine, with such extraordinary generosity, people must have really admired his heart. He must have really have had that natural love by the people. He must, be have, he must have been praised and respected and very well appreciated. And then we come to Acts chapter 5. Well, many of us probably are familiar already with this story. And for our time together, we would like to see in this narrative some of the inner motives that we also need to be aware of, that we also need to caution ourselves from as well as the principles that we need to keep in mind so that we would not fall into compromising truth. Well, 
Acts chapter 5, verse 1 begins this. But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession. Here we are introduced to this couple named Ananias and Sapphira who were also active members of the early church. Recognizing the generous spirit and the culture of the church community, Ananias and Sapphira must have been encouraged. They must have felt motivated to also cultivate a heart that wants to give, to want to contribute to meet the church's needs. Well, apparently, Ananias and Sapphira also possessed the property. So they decided to also sell and donate it to the church, perhaps like Barnabas did. And so they got their land sold, and this is what they did next. Verse 2, And he, Ananias, kept back part of the proceeds, his wife also being aware of it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. Well, after selling their land, Ananias and Sapphira did offer, they did donate the proceeds. But verse 2 tells us that Ananias actually kept back part of the proceeds and only gave a portion to the church. Well, let me point out something here. There is really nothing wrong for them to actually hold back, to keep back a portion of their proceeds. No one obliged them to actually sell their property, that they are required to give everything to the church. They have full rights to their property, and they can do whatever they want. They could give the whole thing. They could give half the amount. They could give even a quarter of it, or they could even just sell it and keep everything to themselves. Because the giving in the church, the contributing, was completely a voluntary thing. And so I would actually think that perhaps their original plan was really to give only a portion. That they actually intend to keep some for themselves for their needs, which is totally fine. And in doing so, they could just tell it as it is. However, perhaps somewhere, somehow along the way, it must have crossed or clouded Ananias' mind. When he realized how well received, how well recognized this Barnabas was, Perhaps he thought, wouldn't it be great if I or we could actually be elevated of such a reputation or status? Wouldn't it be great if we could actually earn the respect and be known to be as good or perhaps even better or more generous than this guy named Barnabas? They could have justified in their minds thinking, well, no one in the church knew how much exactly the property was sold and they still gave anyway, right? So simply telling that they gave everything would be so much better and they'll be happier to hear that too, right? But you know what? It occurred to me that just like Ananias, we also at times have the same propensity or tendency, isn't it? That somehow when we are in a situation where we can get ahead, when we can take advantage because of what others do not know, we are easily tempted to actually compromise being truthful for our own personal gain. And that is the first motive that you and I need to caution ourselves because it can lead us to compromise truth, to lie in short. And that is our desire for selfish gain. How many times have you and I changed, tried to manipulate information, details in a narrative, in an event, or in something, when we realize that just altering a little detail wouldn't hurt? And it would actually benefit us a lot. Maybe in the area of relationships. Perhaps you know people who have the tendency to actually manipulate narratives and 
uh, stories because they have personal agendas, because they have personal interests behind those. Perhaps among friends, you know of people that can have that tendency, can have the temptation to want to impress people. They want to seek to appear better than they truly are. Perhaps even in church, sometimes we say the right words simply to appear to be more spiritual, exactly as how what actually Ananias just did. Or maybe in the area of your business or dealing with your clients or your workplaces, there's that temptation to actually subtly mislead or perhaps not disclose everything because you know that they, that will give you an advantage to have a better deal or perhaps a better sale. Well, I remember of this story of a butcher store. One day, it was already about to close, and there was this lady who rushed to went in, and she just arrived in time when the store was about to lock up. Well, the lady placed her order and said, Sir, I need to buy a chicken good enough for roasting. So the butcher said, No problem, ma'am. Wait for a while. So the butcher went in, checked his freezer, got the last piece of chicken, went out, weighed it, and brought it to the lady and said, Here, ma'am, two and three-four pounds of chicken. Well, the lady asked, um, Do you actually have a bigger one? The butcher replied, Sure, no problem. So he went in, brought the chicken in, brought the same chicken out, and weighed it and said, Here, ma'am, three pounds of chicken. And so the lady responded and thought, Hmm, you know what? I think I'll just buy both chickens. See, it, the reality is that we are easily tempted to pursue things for our personal gain, even at the expense of being truthful. All the more when we actually focus our minds thinking about the immediate benefit that we would actually get out of it. However, I want us to realize that whenever you and I pursue our personal gain at the expense of truth, more often than not, the seeming benefit that we anticipate to actually get, remember, it does not or will even never outweigh and is often going to be more costly and damaging when we actually become exposed by the truth. Remember, compromising truth is often more dangerous than advantageous. Compromising truth is more dangerous than advantageous. Well, let's see more of that as we move on in our narrative. So here comes Ananias going up to the church leaders, handing over the portion of the proceeds. I can imagine him telling them, here you go. This is all that I got from, the, from my property, and I hope this is going to help the church a lot. He was probably expecting a good conversation, maybe anticipating the apostles, the people that witnessed him giving his offering to probably compliment him, perhaps to recognize and even acknowledge his good actions. Well, guess what happened next? Let's see from verses 3 to 4. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? While it remained, was it not in your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. 
Ananias, hearing this, must have been stunned. Such strong words from Peter, right? He must be really surprised. Like, how did Peter know? He was probably expecting, you know, praise for his spectacular gift, but in turn, he got rebuked, he got exposed. You see, as I said a while ago, the problem wasn't in the withholding of the portion of the money. The problem was in the deception, trying to make himself appear that they actually you know, brought everything and sacrificially gave everything and trying to imply before everyone that they had been more generous than they actually were. Here we see that Peter acknowledges the fact that Ananias was tempted by Satan. Ananias had allowed Satan to actually take control of his heart. However, Ananias was personally responsible still of his actions. He could not claim that the devil actually made me do this because at the end, Peter said to him, you were the one who conceived this thing in your heart. See, I'd like us to understand this truth. While Satan, the, our adversary, the father of lies, can influence us believers, he cannot do our sinning for us. You and I can only be tempted but the responsibility, the consequence of our sins will still be on you and on me. That is why giving in to the temptation to lie is always an intentional choice we make. It is something that doesn't happen by accident, something that doesn't happen out of the blue. It will always be something that happens intentionally as a choice that we make. Well, another thing that Peter commented was that what Ananias committed was actually lying to the Holy Spirit. In other words, by attempting to deceive the church, the very image bearers of God, Ananias was trying to deceive the Holy Spirit who indwelt the very people of God. Therefore, in attempting to deceive the Holy Spirit, Ananias was deceiving God himself. You see, as a matter of fact, these verses testify that whenever you and I would make the choice to not tell the truth, even if we may seem to get away with it, even if we may seem to not get caught with it, in the grand scheme of things, each time you and I would compromise being truthful, you and I are lying to nobody else other than God himself. And guess what? Nobody gets away from God. Now, let's see what happens next to Ananias. Remember I said a while ago that compromising truth can actually be more dangerous than advantageous? Let's see that in verses 5 to 6. Then Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and breathed his last. So great fear came upon all those who heard these things. And the young man arose, wrapped him up, carried him out, and buried him. Wow, this must have stunned and surprised everyone that have witnessed this. And sadly, no, Ananias was not given the chance to explain nor to correct himself. Well, you may feel for Ananias because he still gave, right? He still gave something or did something good. But as the church was at its roots, as the church was beginning to grow, God was making a hard point here. He wants to get across to everyone of the gravity of how serious it is to compromise the truth before the Lord. Proverbs 12.22, in fact, tells us that lying lips are an abomination unto the Lord. In other words, compromising truth is a major offense against God. 
When you think about it, Ananias just committed a white lie, right? But you see, bold lies, white lies, they have no distinction before God. In the sight of God, in heaven's eyes, truthfulness is black and white. It is only either you and I are honest or we are actually compromising and lying. There is no middle ground before the Lord. Well, as we saw, this initial incident did not only involve Ananias, but verse 2 also tells us that Sapphira, his wife, being aware of it. In other words, Sapphira also knew this scheme that they were actually doing. Now, we don't exactly know how their agreement came about, but it seems that Ananias was the one who brought about the idea while Sapphira was the one who had been convinced and supported this bright idea, perhaps even if she knew that there was obviously something wrong with this idea. And you know, that is the second motive that you and I need to caution ourselves because it can also cause us to compromise the truth. It is when we are pressured to conform, when we have the pressure to conform. Have you ever been in such a situation when you were actually influenced, when you were actually pressured to lie, to compromise? Often this happens among friends, among siblings, or even colleagues. You know, out of peer pressure, out of the fear of missing out, out of not wanting to be excluded, it's so easy to just give in. It's so easy to just join in, to connive, and to compromise. Perhaps at times, a tension happens between authorities, Sadly, at times, even among parents or among adults, right? Uh, such as with our superior at times at work. And these people can sometimes get, can cause us to get caught in the middle and be put in a very difficult situation. Have you had an Ananias in your life as well? Well, have you ever been an Ananias who actually caused someone to perhaps lie as well? How can we respond whenever we actually encounter an Ananias in our midst? Well, I remember of this man by the name of Stuart. He was actually a fresh graduate, and he was a new employee in a banking office. Well, one day his boss told him, Stuart, if Mr. Johnson happens to call me up, just tell him I am out, okay? Well, Stuart responded and said, so, Boss, you mean you plan to go out today? Is that right? The boss said, no, not really. I, I just don't want to talk to him. So just tell him I am out, okay? Well, Stuart then asked, sir, um, let me try to understand this. Did I get it right that you actually want me to lie for you? Wow. His boss was mad. He blew up. He felt insulted by Stuart. And as the boss was expressing his frustration, Stuart was really nervous. He didn't know what to say. He was feeling uh, scared of getting fired, but he continued to pray in his heart, and he was asking God for the right response in this situation. And then a flash of insight came to him. And then this is what he responded. Um, Sir, I'm sorry if you felt offended, if you felt that I disrespected you, but I hope that you would understand and would feel thankful uh, for this. Because don't you think that if I won't lie for you, it is then safe to assume that I will not lie to you? Well, how about you? 
Would you rather be a Sapphira or can you be a steward? Remember and take to heart that at the end of the day, it is toward God, the Holy Spirit, that you and I are accountable to. It is to Him that we are lying and it is to Him that we are responsible for whether we are going to compromise or we are going to uphold the truth. We would rather choose to honor God rather than to give in to the pressure of this world. Now, let's see what else happened to Sapphira. This is what verse 7 tells us. Now, it was about three hours later when his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Well, apparently, after they sold the land, after perhaps Ananias shared and gave some amount to Sapphira, she went elsewhere. Perhaps she went shopping, she went to the salon, I don't know. Um, but perhaps as she came back, she probably was also expecting to hear something good. But yet again, Peter began his surprise. In verse 8, Peter answered, Tell me whether you sold the land for so much. She said, Yes, for so much. Well, interestingly, the Bible didn't seem to see the need to indicate the exact amount, the exact cost of what they are talking about because it didn't really matter, isn't it? It didn't really matter how much a lie will remain a lie, no matter the cost. And so Sapphira, not knowing what happened to her husband, was now on her own. She was now about to decide for herself what she would be responding. Peter here probably was, you know, giving her another chance. She, he wanted her to actually correct what her husband did. But still, she was quick to answer, and she chose to actually cover up and try to utter another lie in order, in order to conceal the previously wrong decision or choice that was made. And that is the next motive that you and I need to watch out and caution ourselves because it can cause us to lie and to compromise the truth. And that is the need to cover up. You know those times that we do not want to admit that we did something wrong, that we made a wrong choice or we made a mistake? You know, I remember a Sunday school teacher once asked her students, what is a lie? A little girl raised her hand and answered, lying is an abomination unto the Lord and an ever-present help in times of trouble. Isn't that true of us as well? Many times, we also have resorted to lie, to compromise the truth because we feel the need to cover up for ourselves or somehow even covering up for someone else. Perhaps it's those times when we realize that we actually messed up because we did perhaps something disappointing and it's going to upset someone. Maybe we did something we already know we shouldn't do, but we still went on and did it and we made a blunder of some sort. Perhaps there were times because of our pride, we don't want to be blamed for some failure. We don't want to be blamed for our mistake that we have committed. And so we find ways to clear our name, oftentimes tweaking bits and pieces of the information and the narrative here and there just to save ourselves. Many of us do exactly those things being in such situations, don't we? It has been our thinking that compromising truth is the necessary solution or our way of escape. But how then are we actually best to handle those situations? 
Well, in 1945, back in the World War II, there was this research equipment owned by an international government. And as they were doing their studies, they found out that five of those equipment was actually destroyed. So public officials, uh, scientists, they were so alarmed and they thought that this was a crime. Someone did something in these equipments. And so it was important for them. They were so eager to look for this person who did this crime. Nevertheless, as the government continued to investigate, it was found out that there was actually an error. There was something wrong with the equipment. That's why it actually got destroyed. Nobody did something to them. And so the government was somehow feeling ashamed and they were finding ways to cover up for what happened. They were trying to cover up for the mistake that they have done. However, the general of the war department, who was also responsible to those equipment, wrote a letter. And what he simply did was to admit that they made a mistake. They committed an error and they did something wrong. As soon as this general did that, the media suddenly lost interest. They no longer was not anymore interested to actually uh, dive in and dwell upon the matter. And therefore, because of that, the issue died a natural death. The conclusion, honest errors openly admitted sooner forgiven. See, compromising truth is never a solution. There is no winning in lying. But let me tell you that when people see you and me, that we can be honest to the point of our shortcomings, to the point of our weaknesses, it speaks a lot of our character. It will speak a lot of our testimony that we are responsible, that we are respectable, that we are trustworthy, even in the most difficult of times. And that is something that can earn people's trust. It can earn people's respect. And I hope that is something that you and I can champion and not compromising truth. Now, Let's see how this scenario ended up for Sapphira. Verses 9 to 11 reads this. Then Peter said to her, How is it that you have agreed together to test the Spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Then suddenly she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. And the young man came in and found her dead and carrying her out, buried her by her husband. And so great fear came upon all the church and upon all who heard these things. Well, another shocking incident for sure for those who have again witnessed this incident, something that they have never seen nor experienced before. In just three hours, two sudden deaths, simply because they compromised to speak the truth. See, interesting about Peter's rebuke this time was that they tested the Spirit of the Lord. You know, putting the Spirit of the Lord to the test means trying to see how far we can go in disobeying God. In this case, lying to Him and trying to stretch God to see how long He will go before He will actually judge. See, very risky business when you think about it. But do you realize that happens to us a lot as well? 
we try and stretch God and assume that He will always forgive. He will always be gracious. He will always give second chances. And there will always be tomorrow to actually make up for, for what we have done. But truth be told, God is never obliged to actually extend His patience, His mercy. God can exact judgment as He deems necessary. And as in this case, God decides to do just that for Ananias and Sapphira. Who knew it will happen that way at that moment, at that very time? And as a result of this incident, God makes His point loud and clear, especially to the church at that time that witnessed this and even to us today, making us realize that compromising truth is never a small deal to God. That is why we are to understand that compromising to the truth has serious consequences. Whenever you and I compromise the truth, remember that there will be serious consequences. See, the good thing is that God does not anymore respond the same manner every time in this generation in the same way, isn't it? If He would do so, we would be dead already. But the fact that you and I live to this day is already a demonstration that God is gracious, that God is giving us the second chances, that God is giving us extending to us his patience, his understanding. Nevertheless, let us not continue to test the Spirit of God. Let us not take for granted the importance of being truthful to the Lord. And I hope that we would not want to wait until God says, enough is enough. See, you and I may not necessarily die a sudden death such as Ananias and Sapphira, but God's judgment and discipline can come in different areas of our lives, oftentimes in times that we may not even expect. Sometimes it can be in the area of our reputation, in our integrity, losing our credibility, losing opportunities, and many other things that can affect various areas of our life. I remember during my high school years, I really wanted to experience uh, playing as part of our basketball varsity team in school. However, my parents weren't really into it. Yet, in my last year, I really wanted that so bad, so I went ahead and pushed for it my way. I never formally asked for permission, and I just went ahead, did the tryouts, got accepted. Guess what I did so that I could play? I did had a lot of projects the whole season. Every practice, every game, I had to make up some kind of project, some kind of school event, so that I can participate and cover up for what I got myself into. Well, this persisted all year long. I thought I had a great time. I had the experience I have always wanted. I didn't get reprimanded or anything. I thought it was a very good run. Not until about a month to go before our graduation, guess what happened? I actually dislocated my right shoulder, which is actually my dominant arm. And ever since then, it's actually weaker and it's very limited in a lot of ways. You know, when I look back in this experience of mine, I've often wondered, could it be that this is in any way related or connected to my one year worth of trying to conform, cover up, compromise? I couldn't really say for sure. But still, all I know for sure is the principle that when we continue to test the Spirit of the Lord, He can bestow discipline, can bestow consequences so that we can learn our lesson all for our good.
Brothers and sisters, our God is a very gracious and forgiving God. But at the same time, He is a just God and He is the God of truth. See, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Pursuing to live a life that is truthful is more than just living out a noble virtue. Rather, it is living out a person in us. See, living out truthfulness actively demonstrates Christ-likeness. Let me repeat that. Living out truthfulness actively demonstrates Christ-likeness. When Jesus died on that cross for our sins, when we who have put our faith in Him, it is to be our life's pursuit to live out our new life in Christ victoriously, even in a world full of fake news and lies. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25 tells us, Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Therefore, brothers and sisters, when we are again faced with the temptation, the struggle to want to compromise truth, remember to guard our hearts. Remember to not let the desire for selfish gain lure you. Never let down our convictions so that the pressure to conform will not consume us. And do not give in even if there seems to be the need to cover up, knowing that compromising truth is never a solution. Let us take to heart that when we lie, when we compromise the truth, you and I lie to no other than God Himself. With the help of the Holy Spirit as the very children of God, may we be as living testimonies that will exemplify, that will stand and speak truthfulness no matter what. Because again, our truthfulness demonstrates our Christ-likeness. Would you join me as we pray? Loving Heavenly Father, uh, thank you so much for being a God who is true, a God who is faithful. It is our prayer, Father God, that we would ask for your forgiveness. We would ask that you cleanse us, O God, because we know that we are sinful, that oftentimes we compromise the truth, oftentimes in different motivations. And we pray for you, O God, to continue to work in and through our hearts, that we will always guard it so that we would not have to compromise to be truthful. I pray, O oh God, that as we continue to live every day, you would remind us that our truthful lives speak of the God that we live for, the God that we serve, the God that died for our sins, that gave us eternal life. And may that be our source of gratitude, source of joy, source of strength, that even in the difficult times to be truthful, we will uphold it because at the end of the day, it is what honors you. It, was, it is what glorifies you. And it is going to be the testimony that we would want the world of, to know what it means to be truly in Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Mm -hmm.